Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Even the Royals early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. A quick note about our show. We do a lot of research for our stories, but we also aren't your boring high school history class. So some details and scenes are dramatized. And just like a theater kid who misses his cue, we're going to swear. Please be advised. All right, Brooke, imagine you have all the money in the world. I always do. What would you spend it on? I would 1,000% buy a large piece of land and start uh-huh. my animal rescue. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Slow down. You're really going wild I'm over sorry. There. I love animals and don't want them to perish, Orisha. Well, okay. Because my <laughs> thing that I would spend it on is those joint mansions <laughs> with an adjoining too? pool. Will that not be at the front of the animal property? <laughs> Yep. Yep. (laughs) But the royal that we're talking about today actually did get to live out this fantasy. Okay. I mean, not living with his best friend in adjoining (laughs) mansions, but a little, somewhat a little bit like that. Oh, a he. I know. I was wondering if you're going to pick that up. We got our first guy. Love it. So in the 1800s, Ludwig II was king of Bavaria, which is now a part of modern day Germany. Now, you may not know Ludwig's name. But you probably know his legacy. Walt Disney used Ludwig's real-life castles as the inspiration for Sleeping Beauty's castle and the castle at Disneyland. Oh my I'm sure God. you know the one I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely. I have a lovely photo in front of it. Oh, who does it? <laughs> Engagement photos in front of it. Exactly. Wedding photos. Everyone knows that castle. Yeah. And Ludwig financed some of the most famous operas in the world, including this song. See if you recognize it. Okay. Yeah, I absolutely know that. I don't know what it's called. (laughs) It's called Ride of Valkyries. Oh, wait, I did know that. You did know that. Yeah. It's been in too many movies to count, and I (laughs) could not find one movie I recognized. But I know that noise. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Noise, sound, song, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) But Ludwig was dubbed the fairy tale king because his obsession with the arts ran so deep. And then he was also called the mad king because his behavior was... We'll go with eccentric. Okay. Now, Ludwig didn't just spend a few weeks blasting the same song over and over. He ignored his duties, he refused to lead, and he used funds from the royal treasury to further his extreme love of opera. I love him already. Yeah. Now, Ludwig chose to live in a fantasy world of his own creation instead of actually ruling his kingdom. And it's a choice that will eventually cost him his crown and his life. It's the very early hours of June 12th, 1886. 100 years before I entered this planet. That is the important detail. (laughs) 40-year-old King Ludwig races through Neuschweinstein Castle in what is now southern Germany. Now, this is the gaudy, over-the-top castle that inspired Walt Disney. Okay. So, yes, if you're picturing something straight out of a fairy tale, you're right on the money. Nice. But Ludwig is not just out getting some exercise while talking birds follow him around. (laughs) The king is running for his life. Ludwig bolts from room to room, barely looking at the massive paintings on the wall. Now, normally, Ludwig might spend hours staring at the walls, losing himself in the stories about great heroes painted on them. But the king has no time for that tonight. 
the police are about to storm the castle. They're coming to arrest him and take his crown. There's no time to waste. As Ludwig turns a corner, he sees a servant racing towards him. The servant has a message. He's found the keys to one of the castle's highest towers. Ludwig is overwhelmed with gratitude at the man's loyalty. He grabs the keys and races through a grand hallway towards the tower. If he can make it up there before his enemies arrive, he can lock himself inside and at least buy himself a little more time. And then he can let down his hair. Exactly. (laughs) Finally find that prince charming. (laughs) Yeah. Ludwig leaps up the steps of the tower and his panic starts to turn to relief. He won't let these men take him, at least not while he's alive. But before he reaches the top, he hears footsteps getting louder. And not just from behind him, from above him, too. Oh. Just then, these two hulking policemen step out of the shadows and block his way up. He turns around to find more men standing below him, covering the exit. The servant led him straight into a trap. I knew it. I was going to say, is that servant in on this? (sighs) Servants. Fucker. Gosh, it's almost like we shouldn't have them. Right? Yeah, God. (laughs) The policemen grab him and Ludwig's legs buckle. His attempt to escape has failed. He's done. When Ludwig built this castle, it was supposed to be his retreat from the world. A fairy tale castle fit for a fairy tale king. But now, Ludwig realizes he's been wrong about his role in the story this entire time. He is not the king of this castle. He's the princess, locked in a tower, and no one is coming to save him. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors, that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod. Or text Wondery Pod to 500 500. From Wondery, I'm Arisha Skidmore Williams. And I'm Brooke Ziffrin. And this is Even the Royals, where we bring you true stories of the world's kings, queens, and all the wannabes in their orbit. It's a show about pulling back the gilded curtain. Because despite the whole anointed by God thing, royals are just like us. They have messy breakups, backstabbing frenemies, and workplace drama. Yeah, only theirs end in wars, beheadings, and sometimes the fall of dynasties. All that glitters is 
some gold. This two-part series is all about Ludwig II, the supposed Mad King of Bavaria, who used his crown to finance some of the greatest operas of the 19th century. Unfortunately for Ludwig, it will take more than good theater to keep his people happy. This is part one, The Fairy Tale King. It's the summer of 1852, and seven-year-old Ludwig sits inside one of the several royal castles in Bavaria. The young prince is watching artists paint a mural in the hall of his family's home. He's been watching them for hours. Every stroke the painters make is like magic for him. What was once a sad, empty wall is transforming in front of his eyes into a fantastical story. Literally, they're painting Ludwig's favorite tale, Lohengrin. The story is about the Swan Knight, as I'm sure you know, being the big opera goer you are. Uh-huh. Definitely one of my favorites, for sure. <laughs> yep. The Swan Knight is a heroic figure who seemingly appears out of nowhere to rescue a noblewoman in distress. The knight promises to help her as long as she never asks his name or where he comes from. Why aren't there any stories about <laughs> women just taking care of themselves? Like, why is it always some poor woman in distress? Come on, women can't take care of themselves. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> we need Prince Charming. <laughs> the swan's not going to do shit. <laughs> but Ludwig loves the story. The swan knight doesn't have to deal with things like parents or the monotony of regular life. Mm. His life is made up of heroic adventures and magic swan rides. <laughs> Ludwig wishes his life could be only the good stuff, which, get in line, Lude, we all want that. <laughs> yeah, Lude, chill out. Come on, chill. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to see why Ludwig would be drawn to a character like the Swan Knight, because his whole childhood has been nothing but loneliness and stern lectures from his parents mm. during the few minutes a day he's even allowed to see them. Mm. Now, they think a strict environment builds strength and character. So meals are one of the few times Ludwig is allowed to hang with his parents. Ugh, it's super isolating for the kid. Yeah. But in Ludwig's case, spending more time with his parents may not be the fix because neither of them are particularly warm and fuzzy. And Ludwig's dad can be downright scary. He tries to toughen him up by being harsh and mean, which is definitely what'll pay for his therapist's summer <laughs> castle when he's older. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Today, Ludwig is so transfixed by the painters that he doesn't notice his dad approaching. The young prince is shocked when he sees his father suddenly looming over him. And from the look on the king's face... Ludwig can tell his dad has a royal axe to grind. The king tells him that he's late for the royal hunt. He needs to come right away. I know you're going to love this. It's always a hunt. <laughs> They're royalty. All they have to do is just murder things. You know this. Yeah. But here's the thing. The last thing Ludwig wants to do is go on a violent, ugly hunt. He'd rather stay here surrounded by art. To which I'll go out on a limb here and say that's a hard agree from you. Amen to that. Like, he's my favorite prince of all time. <laughs> that's all it takes. Love yep. animals and you're in. Yep. But the king's like, I don't care. Sucks to suck. Let's go kill some <laughs> birds. I'm psyched. Oh, no. The royal hunt, it's a family tradition. And now it's Ludwig's turn. And he's coming even if the servants have to drag the boy kicking and screaming. Ludwig is barely on his feet before the king grabs his elbow and yanks him down the hall. Over his shoulder, the prince sees the painter make a final brushstroke on a spectacular fairy tale castle. He imagines himself standing in the castle's highest tower 
in a world with no hunting, no violence, no angry yelling fathers. Mm. Safe in the mural's fantasy world. As far as Lutwig is concerned, that's where he'd like to stay forever. So, Brooke, as I mentioned earlier, Bavaria is now a part of modern-day Germany. Mm-hmm. Now, back in Ludwig's time, it was one of a handful of independent kingdoms in the area, along with Prussia and Austria. Okay. I'm sure you remember learning about both of those growing up. Absolutely, yeah. And I know that, obviously, Bavaria's biggest export is the cream I get in my favorite donut. So I really <laughs> thank you to them for that. <laughs> Now, growing up, Ludwig spends a lot of time learning about European history, partially because he's next in line to be king and partially because he doesn't have much else to do. (laughs) He's homeschooled with adult tutors, so he doesn't have any friends or a social world. He studies six days a week and spends his free time assembling models of famous buildings and practicing his English so he can read Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet in its original form. Wow. He is a dedicated nerd. Yeah, he really is. You gotta appreciate the dedication. I do. As Ludwig gets older, he couldn't care less about the duties of a king. He's way more interested in dressing up in fantastical costumes and staging his own puppet shows, where he reenacts the folktales that are painted on the castle's murals. It's giving serious 19th century glee club energy. It does, and it's cute. I'm going to say that. (laughs) It is cute. Honestly, I need more kings like this. Now, although Ludwig has no interest in doing the work of a king, he doesn't mind the overall idea of being king. His tutors tell him that he's been chosen by God to rule and that all the servants should bow to him constantly. Oh, well. At one point, while walking around town, he shoplifts a little purse. And when he gets in trouble, he says it shouldn't matter. Everything in the country will belong to him once he's king. Oh, no. Yeah, we love a little brat. Don't make me turn on you, kid. Don't do it. (laughs) It takes so little with these stories, let me tell you. (laughs) Luckily, though, as long as his dad is alive, Ludwig can stay focused on his fantasy worlds while ignoring the problems of the real world. And with each passing year, he does just that. But daydreaming about stories can only take him so far. Eventually, Ludwig wants more. And when the prince turns 15, he discovers a place where his fantasies can spring to life before his eyes. On the stage. Mm, we love the stage. It's February 1861. 15-year-old Ludwig sits in the royal booth at a theater in Munich. He's separated from the rest of the audience, but he can hear the packed house gasp and cheer as the story (laughs) unfolds on stage. And he's right there with them. He's watching an opera by the composer Richard Wagner, and it happens to be about Ludwig's favorite character, the Swan Knight. Okay. The prince is transfixed as the fairy tale story of Lohengrin comes to life right in front of him. Now, fun fact, one of Wagner's most famous songs comes from this opera, do you recognize this tune? Mm-hmm, 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 Here mm-hmm. comes the bride. There it is. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that was from an opera. <laughs> Me neither. God, I got to start going to the opera is what I've learned in this episode. What I've learned is that the tradition of marriage is old as shit. Agree. Far too old. But, <laughs> you know, this actually is way before the song becomes a tradition at weddings around the world. Oh, okay. But Ludwig is definitely feeling the love tonight. His childhood fairy tale is no longer just in his imagination. It's a reality on the stage, with a flurry of costumes and colors and music. 
All his annoying, princely responsibilities seem to melt away as he loses himself in the performance. The opera is an escape from his cold, emotionless life and his intimidating future as a king. And Ludwig never wants it to end. Over the next few years, Ludwig's fascination with live performance only grows. At another Wagner opera, he gets so excited that he's rumored to almost have a seizure. Oh my God. Talk about having a real love for music. Yeah, that's a scary side effect. Jesus. It really is. The young prince seeks out any and all copies of Wagner's published writing he can find. The writing is mostly about Wagner's theory on the perfect opera, or art at large, and Ludwig devours it on repeat. And while Ludwig immerses himself in Wagner's world, his real world is on the verge of war, specifically between two of Bavaria's neighboring countries, Prussia and Austria. Mm. They're both vying for more power, and Bavaria could be pulled into the conflict. But Ludwig doesn't bat an eye. (laughs) He can't even bring himself to worry about his own father's health, even when the king comes down with a fever in the winter of 1864. Ludwig is now 18 years old but he still is not ready to think about his eventual future as king. He has no clue how to run a country at peace, let alone one potentially at war. Me either. (laughs) I know. Who does? That makes three of us. So Ludwig continues to do what he does best. Stick his head in the make-believe sand. Fairy tales have happy endings, so surely everything will work out in the end, right? Or maybe not. About a month later, on a chilly day in 1864, Ludwig stands at the edge of his father's bed. He stares down at the king and can barely comprehend what he's seeing. The father who tormented him for most of his life and who ruled Bavaria for almost 20 years is dead. Ludwig hears the sobs of his family members all around him. Down the hall, he can hear the Archbishop of Munich telling the waiting crowds that the king is now in heaven. Ludwig is surrounded by grief, but his cheeks are dry. He just stares down at his father's body in confusion and disbelief. Suddenly, Ludwig hears a timid voice next to him squeak out the words, Your Majesty? Oh no. Ludwig looks over to find a young page standing next to him at his father's bedside. Ludwig is baffled. Why is the page trying to talk to a dead king? Is this some kind of cruel joke? He's about to scream at the kid when he realizes the page is actually looking at him, not at his father. Ludwig's heart leaps into his throat. His father is dead. That means he's the king now. He's got to get it together. (laughs) He's a mess. Are you fully on the anti-Ludwig side now? Honestly, it's going to be a roller coaster. (laughs) I just know it. Ludwig feels tears starting to well up. His days of daydreaming and watching operas are over. He's now behind the steering wheel of the kingdom. And he never learned how to drive. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. 
Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. It's a chilly spring morning in Munich, and Ludwig is sitting at his writing table as he ushers the Bavarian cabinet secretary into the room. It's been just over a month since the new king assumed the throne, and the 18-year-old has made a decision. He's going to try to be a good king. Oh, okay. It's a good start. Yeah. I mean, his tutors always said he was picked by God, so why should he worry? Ruling can't be nearly as hard as everyone makes it out to be. They've just been blowing smoke up his ass for a while, huh? (laughs) That's what they're paid for. (laughs) Ludwig asked the cabinet secretary to explain how the old king maintained a careful balance of diplomacy between the German states. Ludwig is essentially in full-on test-cramming mode and knows he needs to pay attention. But the more the cabinet secretary talks about kings and queens and the grand duchy of wherever, (laughs) the more Ludwig wants to run out of the room screaming. Similar to how I feel whenever you talk about feeding squirrels. Honestly, how dare you? <laughs> They're little angels covered in fur. Oh my so. God. <laughs> <laughs> Ludwig finds himself staring at an old painting of medieval knights on the wall. They remind him of the murals he loved as a kid. And then Ludwig gets an idea. Maybe he can have his cake and eat it too. One of the few things Ludwig admired about his dad was the way he promoted the arts, from the castles he restored to the artists he invited to create those murals. But the old king commissioned art for his private home. The people of Bavaria never got to experience it. Ludwig thinks he can do better. He leaps up from his table, interrupting the cabinet secretary (laughs) mid-sentence, and announces that every king must leave a lasting legacy on his country. But his legacy isn't going to be about diplomatic relations or any other bland thing the secretary is talking about. (laughs) Ludwig knows the best way he can serve his people is through the arts, specifically through his favorite composer's music, Richard Wagner. A few weeks later, Ludwig writes a letter to Wagner, inviting the artist to join him at the royal palace. Ludwig has a plan. He'll offer to financially support Wagner and all his creative pursuits from here on out. Basically, he's saying, let me, and the state of Bavaria, be your sugar daddy. Okay. How do you turn that down? (laughs) I know. I am still looking for one. (laughs) But there's a problem with his plan. Richard Wagner isn't exactly beloved in Bavaria. Now, currently, there's a lot to hate about Wagner— The guy said some truly horrific and anti-Semitic things throughout his life. Okay. But this is not the reason Bavarians dislike him. Wagner took part in a failed insurrection 15 years ago. He was trying to rebel against the government, and the more conservative corners of Bavaria took issue with this. 
So given all of this, any logical person would, I don't know, read the room maybe? (laughs) Or pick literally any other composer? Yeah, yeah. But to Ludwig, Wagner is the best musician ever, and that's what really matters. So he sends his letter to Wagner and gushes over his love of the composer's operas. He even slips in a few gifts with the letter to hopefully entice Wagner to visit. The first one is a ruby ring. Oh. The second is a framed photo of Ludwig himself. (laughs) Okay. Ludwig may be a king, but in his letter, he comes off more like a nervous fanboy. I can only assume it's in line with the letter I once wrote to Joseph Gordon-Levitt inviting him over for ribs. (laughs) But as a prince, Ludwig could only dream about befriending his favorite artist. And now he has the entire kingdom of Bavaria and their tax-paying dollars to help him win Wagner's affection. And he's not afraid to use it. A few weeks later, after Ludwig sends his letter to Wagner, he's pacing up and down the main meeting room in his Munich palace. Ludwig is trying to keep his cool. He's been king for less than two months, and he's about to receive one of his first real visitors. And not just any visitor, his idol, the one and only Richard Wagner. Mm. Ludwig is feeling like a Swifty about to spend the day with the T-Swizzle. Oh, T-Swizzle, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. You're clearly off your rocker at this point. <laughs> now, of course, you know, this is going to come with a mixture of excitement and nerves. I mean, maybe Wagner won't show up. Mm. And if he does, will this be super awkward? Should he be sitting like he has no cares in the world? Or standing like a domineering king? Basically, all the thoughts that swirled through our heads ahead of our first friend date low these many years ago. Yeah, and I didn't even give you a ruby ring, so. I know, still waiting, still waiting. (laughs) Ludwig sits, then gets back up, then sits again, then up. Until an aide leads Wagner into the room. Ludwig's heart leaps into his chest. Wagner is almost 50 years old and shorter than Ludwig. He has a square face and thin lips. Throw in his anti-Semitism and all-around racist thoughts, and Ludwig has found himself a real winner. Oh, yeah. Now, Ludwig, to his credit, was not anti-Semitic and felt, quote, all men are brothers. Okay. But to the king in this moment, (laughs) Wagner just looks like a knight in one of his operas, strong, dignified, and dressed impeccably in a formal suit and white tie. Ludwig is immediately tongue-tied. He feels his heart start to race and his face get hot. He has no idea what to say. But as it turns out, he doesn't have to say anything because Wagner immediately rushes over and the two men embrace in a massive hug. Are these two going to be lovers? (laughs) Don't tell me, but I can't wait to find out. (laughs) All right, I won't say anything. Okay. He tells Ludwig that he would be happy to work on some new operas. He's got a lot on his plate, sure, but he'll make some time for someone with as exquisite taste as Ludwig. But the real truth is that Wagner is currently so broke, he had to borrow money just to buy a train ticket to come to Munich. Oof. Yeah, Ludwig's promise to be his artistic patron couldn't have come at a better time for Wagner. But Ludwig is too overjoyed to even think about a potential ulterior motive. Being king has been stressful these past couple of months. And now, things are finally looking up. Ludwig is so enamored after that first visit that he has a giant portrait of Wagner made for his bedroom and orders sculptors to carve a bust of the composer's head. Okay, 
you know, normal friend stuff. Honestly, you need to step up your game. If I don't come over to the sleepover and see myself in the spare room, I don't want to stay. It's been commissioned. I'm just waiting. Okay, okay? Good, good. But yeah, the dude is obsessed. In addition to being Wagner's sugar papa, Ludwig's royal checks help pay down Wagner's debts. And Ludwig even sets him up in a villa on a nearby lake to live in, which inspiration for our side-by-side mansions, maybe? Mm-hmm. Honestly, we could all use a little King Ludwig in our lives. It sounds like it, yeah. And over the summer of 1864, Ludwig and Wagner start to get close, writing long, heartfelt letters back and forth to one another. Okay. It's definitely giving Susan's dad and John Cheever from that Seinfeld episode. <laughs> But I mean all of this, the portrait, the villa, the letters. I think we can agree it's all at least a little bit flirty. Um, yeah. <laughs> I haven't written a letter in years. Yeah, I know. I check my mailbox every day. <laughs> but the truth is, we don't know for sure if this was anything more than a bromance. Their letters certainly speak of love and devotion to one another. And as Ludwig gets older, rumors spread that the king is secretly gay. Mm. But the only person who knows for sure is Ludwig himself, and he took that secret to the grave. Damn. Yeah. At the very least, though, from the outside, Ludwig seemed to worship the ground Wagner walks on. Wagner did not have the same obsession with Ludwig, but he and the king had at least one thing in common. Their obsession with art. More like their obsession with Wagner. I was going to say, specifically Wagner's <laughs> oh, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Plus, in that day and age, I'm sure it was quite thrilling to be worshipped by a king, oh, particularly yeah. a king who foots your bills. Mm-hmm. One thing, though, is very clear. Most of Ludwig's government officials are not thrilled to see their new king buying the favor of a controversial figure like Wagner. To them, Wagner is definitely a gold digger, milking naive little Ludwig for his own gains. But their opinion of Ludwig goes from bad to worse when the king starts ghosting his daily meetings with his ministers. Oh. Ludwig just shrugs it all off. He's focusing on what's important, bringing art to the people. But his growing unpopularity is about to hit him where it hurts. At the opera. It's late 1865. We're still in Munich. And tonight, Ludwig and his mother, the 39-year-old former queen, walk into one of the city's theaters to see a play. The pair have never been close, but even a king can't avoid seeing his mother every once in a while. (laughs) Ludwig follows his mom through the lobby and up into their private box overlooking the stage. He's starting to finally enjoy being king. Well, not the responsibilities or the decision-making or holding the fate of his citizens in his hands. Well, yeah, we all want a cool title with none of the work. No, exactly. <laughs> but Ludwig gets the best seat in the house at every show he goes to, and the audience always seems to clap for him harder than they clap for the performers. <laughs> Ludwig could get used to that. Yeah. And he could really use the applause tonight. Things with Wagner haven't been as easy as Ludwig would like. Wagner has been pushing Ludwig to fire some members of his cabinet and replace them with people who Wagner chooses. Isn't he supposed to be painting or something or (laughs) composing music? Like, what? Yeah, artists can be (laughs) advisors too, Brooke. Okay. (laughs) But here's the thing. This probably wouldn't go over so well with Ludwig's already disgruntled officials. They would likely see this as evidence that the composer is using Ludwig for his own selfish gains. The prime minister has even threatened to resign because of this whole mess. Oh my God. But for once, 
Ludwig agrees with his government. He does not want Wagner involved in politics either. Wagner is supposed to be his escape from the real world. Plus, even if Ludwig doesn't like the responsibility of kinging, he still thinks he's been anointed by God. Hmm. Even a great composer like Wagner isn't supposed to tell him what to do. Honestly, I'm surprised he wasn't like, fine, you can appoint one person, but you have to give me <laughs> tiny little kisses on my forehead every morning. <laughs> I mean, a deal's a deal. Exactly. Now back to the opera. Ludwig follows his mom through the velvet curtain and out into their private balcony. Then he looks down on the crowd of their adoring citizens so he can enjoy a few minutes of applause. Except the audience isn't applauding for them. Uh-oh. They aren't even smiling. Ooh. Ludwig peers down and all he sees are scowling faces staring back at him. Then he hears the sound of steam escaping, which is strange, until he finally realizes the crowd is hissing. Whoa, bring that back. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it takes me back to my game show days when I was booed. <laughs> Would you have rather had people hiss or boo? Honestly, I want both. I want okay. a boo Like hiss. a boo hiss. Boo yeah. hiss. Yeah, just really hit me where it hurts. <laughs> but unlike me, Ludwig is stunned. It's not just his stuffy cabinet members who are upset with his choices. His people are as well. It turns out that many of them would rather have a king who actually runs his country <laughs> instead of funneling money into his art. And it gets worse. Ludwig's mother faints from shock. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, Ludwig tries to help her up, but he can't. He feels his head swim and he nearly collapses next to her. Jeez. The royal guards have to carry the queen out of the booth. Ludwig came to the theater to escape from reality, but instead, the real world followed him inside. And it's almost too much for Ludwig to bear. After this incident, the pressure on the king increases. Things are heating up between Bavaria's neighbors. Prussia is itching to start a fight with Austria over land and power in the region. Now, if it erupts into an all-out war, then Bavaria will be forced to take a side in the conflict. It's clear the people need their king, and Ludwig can't escape his duties any longer. Especially as rumors spread that Ludwig might be forced to abdicate over his sugar daddy habits. Oh. Now, something like this actually happened to his grandfather, who <laughs> funneled money to a dancer he loved. The people actually booted him for it. So Ludwig has to make a very difficult choice. His passion or his throne? Is he a king or just a theater fanboy in a crown? Hmm. Brooke, mm -hmm. what would you choose? The theater. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Who's choosing king? Like, I know. On. It's like, it's... I don't want responsibilities. I want to, like, dance and shit. Yeah. <laughs> but after about a year and a half of friendship... Ludwig finally makes his choice. He sends a message to Wagner and tells his closest friend that for the sake of his people, Wagner must leave Bavaria at least for a little while. Wow. Kiss those forehead kisses goodbye. I know. It's a loss for everyone. <laughs> it really is. Now to Ludwig, the sacrifice is worth it to keep his God-given crown. But at the same time, he can't help but feel he's folding to peer pressure. Although, does it really count as peer pressure if it's a bunch of citizens asking their ruler to actually rule? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Not at all. It's called doing your job. <laughs> right. Although he didn't apply for it, to be fair. That's yeah. fair. But for Ludwig, it's one of the hardest things he's ever had to do. He and Wagner have become close. And the composer and his work have been an oasis from all the stresses of the world. But now, Ludwig's going to have to face his world alone. 
which is really bad timing, since Ludwig's world is about to erupt into war. So I'm a father of one. I gotta find a babysitter. I found Care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out Care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. It's the spring of 1866, and Ludwig is sitting slumped in his audience chamber in Munich. His ministers trade uneasy glances around him. They've just told the king that the tensions brewing between Prussia and Austria might finally erupt into war. The ministers have tried to talk to Ludwig about this possibility before, but he's always dismissed it and changed the subject. But now he cannot dodge the conversation any longer. Ludwig feels the eyes of his ministers on him, They're waiting to hear which side the king thinks Bavaria should support. Ludwig tries to look like he's thinking hard, but inside, he's panicking. He does not know what to do. Is he wearing those glasses that look like his eyes are open? (laughs) Yep, he's just asleep. (laughs) Got him! (laughs) Here's the thing. Prussia has the strongest military, so it makes sense to back the winning horse. Besides, Ludwig's own mom is from Prussia, and he doesn't want to make the holidays awkward. (laughs) But, on the other side, Prussia is already the most powerful state in the area. If Ludwig helps them take over Austria, they'll get even stronger. And that could backfire on Bavaria down the line. Maybe Prussia will decide to pick a fight with them next. So, Bavaria should side with Austria. But then he's right back at problem number one. Ludwig starts to sweat. The room is suffocating. Both options have downsides and risks, and the choice is too much for him to handle. It's basically us every sleepover when we have to pick what we want for dinner. The stakes are just so high. Too high, honestly. It's like we'll never eat again. We never will. We never will. Plus, real war is nothing like the chivalrous tales of good versus evil in the operas Ludwig loves so much. The dead don't stand up and take a bow after the battle is done. Choosing a side means sending thousands of men to fight and die for him. Ludwig hopes if he keeps his head down, then maybe the whole problem will just disappear. You know, basic boy math. Yeah, seriously. It's like, what did I say? Get it together. (laughs) Yeah, come on. Come on. Finally, one of his ministers stands and meekly offers a suggestion. Bavaria should back Austria, since Prussia is already too powerful. Ludwig pops his head off the table and lets out a sigh of relief. He was secretly hoping for that answer. He just didn't want to be the one to decide. Now that his minister has spoken, Ludwig nods in agreement. He's grateful that the decision is done. But now he's going to have to live with the consequences. After sending his country to war, Ludwig's stomach is so upset he can't eat or sleep or even bathe. And Ludwig loves his baths. <laughs> oh, I bet he does. Yeah. First sign, this guy needs help. <laughs> He's quickly spiraling over his decision, which is so relatable. I mean, how many times have I made a choice and immediately been like, wait, never mind? Yeah. Is Ludwig a uh, Libra? 
Okay, I love that you asked that because I was like, he's got to be a Libra. (laughs) Guess what he is? A Virgo. Yep. Wow. We don't claim him. August 25th, baby. (laughs) Although the love of the arts and animals does check out, but the rest, not so much. Yeah, yeah. And like yours truly, Libra, Ludwig's (laughs) solution is to hold himself away again. Oh, no. When officials show up at his castle to ask him for leadership advice, he literally runs away and hides (laughs) for hours until they leave, which, God, love it. People running away will never (laughs) not be funny. It never will not be funny, especially the older they get. (laughs) (laughs) Ludwig spends most of his days daydreaming of happier times, like his time with Wagner. Ludwig would give anything to be able to spend a few days talking about art and music with Wagner at his lakeside villa. But Wagner lives in Switzerland now, and Ludwig can't exactly invite him back without Bavaria turning on him again. Plus, he's supposed to be preparing his country for war and doing kingly things like attending meetings. But Ludwig just can't quit Wagner. The composer's birthday is coming up, so it's a perfect time for a trip. And the fact that Wagner's birthday is on the same day as a big parliament meeting that Ludwig would like to avoid is just (laughs) icing on the cake. Wow. So Ludwig writes Wagner a letter. He tells him that he wants to join him in Switzerland. Oh, and that he's contemplating stepping down as king altogether. Because then he'll be free from the nightmare of war and having to rule during it. They are 100% lovers. It's so obvious. I mean, I feel like one thing we can be sure of is there was definitely love on Ludwig's side, which yeah. is, once again, unrequited love. Are we sure he's not a Libra? I was just going to say, <laughs> is this guy you in a mask? <laughs> yep, yep, definitely. But Wagner quickly writes back to the young king, and he tells him, quote, stay with your people, show yourself to them. If you love me, as I earnestly hope, then hear my plea when I ask you to open Parliament in person. This letter sounds so selfless, right? No. (laughs) He's like, you're not going to be paying me money? Stay there. (laughs) Brooke, stop. You're too smart for this episode. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But you're right. Wagner's intentions most likely are not as selfless as the letter makes them seem because... Ludwig has continued to bankroll the composer's life even in exile. So, like you just said, if Ludwig steps away from the throne, all that sweet, sweet royal money (laughs) would be gone. Exactly. Anyway. But you know what? Ludwig probably knows this too. And Wagner's note knocks a tiny bit of sense into him. But by this point, we know Ludwig, and Mm -hmm. he's all heart. He decides to stay on as king, but he still needs to escape just for a tiny bit even if it means turning his back on his people. It's May 22nd, 1866, the day Ludwig is supposed to be at Parliament. But instead, he's creeping down a quiet street in Switzerland, dressed in a very not-King Ludwig outfit, a black coat and a wide hat to hide his face. (laughs) He's almost 300 miles from Bavaria, but he can't be too careful. He cannot afford to be recognized. Hmm. Well, nothing keeps you more undercover than a giant hat. (laughs) (laughs) No one will see him now. Nobody ever recognizes me at the beach, I can tell you that much. (laughs) Ludwig knows that at this very moment, back in Munich, members of his parliament will be receiving word that their king won't be joining them as planned. And he doesn't exactly have the greatest excuse. He's basically pulled a Ferris Bueller and told his aides he was sick. Oh, boy. 
So here Ludwig is, sneaking around Switzerland, ditching his royal duties to see the man he worships. Wagner may have only been in exile for six months, but to Ludwig, it feels like a lifetime. Ludwig's eyes scan the building numbers until he finds the one he's looking for. He knocks quietly, ducking into a shadow while a few pedestrians wander past. He's about to knock again when the door swings open. Richard Wagner's surprised face is there to greet him. His eyes light up when he recognizes Ludwig. Oh. If this were a rom-com, the music would swell, and Ludwig would say he's just a boy standing in front of an anti-Semite asking him to love him. Oh, that's a tale as old as time. <laughs> Ludwig may have gone against his friend's wishes by blowing off his job, but when he sees the huge smile on Wagner's face, the tension he's been carrying in his neck suddenly melts away. He wishes Wagner a happy birthday and hurries inside. Being here is going to cause Ludwig a hell of a lot of trouble when he gets home. But until then, he's going to enjoy some much-needed BFF time. Ludwig stays with Wagner for two days. He leaves feeling better than he's felt in ages. Unfortunately, that feeling disappears as soon as Ludwig returns home because his secret rendezvous doesn't stay secret for long. Mm. Word spreads throughout Bavaria that the king abandoned his royal duties to see Wagner, all while Prussian and Bavarian troops prepared for war. Ludwig's reputation at home nosedives. The Bavarian newspapers put him on blast, horrified that Ludwig abandoned his people during a time of war. When Ludwig returns to Munich, his people give him cold and unwelcoming looks. Someone even curses at him, <laughs> while others hiss. Oh, God, they love a good hiss over there. They do. <laughs> now, Ludwig may have made some dumb choices, but he isn't stupid. He knows he can't take another risk like that again if he wants to hold on to all the comforts he has as king. He and Wagner will have to keep their distance for real this time, <laughs> as much as that may hurt. And it couldn't be a worse time to lose his bestie again, because only three weeks later, in June of 1866, Austria and its allied states, including Bavaria, officially declare war on Prussia. But Ludwig is too busy moping around to hear about it. He won't even let his messengers in to deliver the news. Instead, he holes up in one of his castles, setting off fireworks for entertainment and reenacting scenes from Wagner's operas with his friends, in full costume. What friends? Now, I have no idea, but whoever the friend is, it's not a good look for Ludwig. And some government officials become concerned about his mental state. Oh. But Ludwig's government won't let him ignore the war completely. They finally pressure the king into making a visit to the battlefield. His job is to inspire the troops. But instead, the trip just breaks Ludwig down even more. He comes face to face with one bloody, wounded soldier after another. Ugh. There's nothing romantic or noble about it. Just heartbreaking suffering everywhere he looks. And every dead body is there because of him. Mm, it's gotta be hard. Yeah, so hard. And it's because Ludwig asked them to go fight for their king. I know. After seven weeks of war, the Prussian army defeats the Austrian and Bavarian troops. Mm. Ludwig is haunted by the visions of the dead and injured soldiers he sent to fight for what feels like nothing now. <laughs> At this point, Ludwig will do anything to get back to the safety of his fantasy life. Because he tried to face the real world, and it was way, way too real for him. So he throws himself back into his fairy tales on full blast. Unfortunately for Ludwig, 
his next fantastical endeavor will only seal his fate even faster. Because while Lutwig is busy getting lost in the clouds, his cabinet is plotting his demise. They want to steal his crown and take control of Bavaria, no matter what it may cost. Follow Even the Royals on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to every episode of Even the Royals early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. This is The Fairytale King, part one of our two-part series on King Ludwig II of Bavaria. You can follow us, your hosts, on socials at Brooke Ziffrin and at Arisha Skidmore-Williams. We use many sources when researching our stories, but we especially recommend Ludwig II of Bavaria, The Swan King by Christopher McIntosh, and Not So Happily Ever After, The Tale of King Ludwig II by Susan Barnett Braun. I'm Arisha Skidmore-Williams. And I'm Brooke Ziffrin. River Donahue wrote this episode. Story editing by Andrew Barbeau and sound design by Sam Ada. Our associate producer is Hannah Ward. Our coordinating producer is Taylor Sniffen. And our managing producer is Sophia Martins. Rachel Engelman and Julie Magruder are our producers. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer-Beckman, Ginny Bloom, Marsha Louie, and Erin O'Flaherty for Wondery. Jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.